Some skills are essential for solving real-life data science problems, but you will never learn them from coding tutorials, academic papers, or conferences. Here at Naked Data Science, we demystify these skills and give you practical tools and tips to advance your career. And if you like our podcast, you will like our free insider's guides. We have compiled some of our best materials into a few short PDFs that give you practical techniques you can do today. Things like fixing projects that are not going well, receiving the recognition you deserve, and building intuitions on different types of models and machine learning methods. We are also giving away new materials and trainings every week. So open your browser and go to nds.show and download them for free today. That is nds.show. All right, let's get into this episode. What happens when you are not working on interesting work? That is boring. You feel stuck. And your skills and career stop developing, but it is also very bad for your company because they now have an employee who is not delivering good outcome while still requiring quite some effort to manage. So obviously, it would be great if you and your company can always find work that is interesting to you. In this episode, we are going to show you some simple ways to do exactly that. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Naked Data Science. This is how. And I'm Nima. All right, Nima. What are we going to talk about this time? This episode, we want to talk about interesting things. Well, to be honest, we want to talk about doing interesting data science work. The question of whether the work I'm doing is interesting is typically one of the most common topics, even if it's、uh, kind of an elephant in the room and is not discussed openly. Based on my experience, is typically one of the topics and one of the issues that. Presents itself time and time again in your team and can occupy the mind of data scientists to a large extent, and can propose specific challenges for the relationship between the team lead and the people working in the team, but also in the general atmosphere of the team working on data science projects. Data science is knowledge-intensive work, much like engineering. And the nature of this kind of highly intensive knowledge work is that. You need to have intellectual stimulants for the people that are working on it. Otherwise, it gets boring and demotivating pretty quickly. But even worse is that if for a long period of time people are not getting enough intellectual stimulants they need on this type of work, then their problem-solving skill as well as their creativity really start going down. And that is a bad situation for the team members, but also a very bad situation for the business. So that's why I think if you lead a data science intensive team, then this is a topic that you should really pay attention to. But also, if you are leading such a team, probably you don't need us to tell you. Your team members constantly reminding you. Yeah, absolutely. I think, as you mentioned, the intellectual nature of data science work typically absorbs people or attracts people that are also looking for interesting problems to solve. Curiosity is one of the common features among data scientists, and at least is one of the characteristics that can make you a more successful data scientist. From my experience, I think this is also amplified a bit by a number of Other factors around data science. One of them is also the present imposter syndrome that is very common among data scientists. You know the field is very broad. You can easily get exposed to new topics and algorithms and success stories of applying 
data science. The machine learning research is moving with speed much faster than before due to the amount of attention, but also the amount of money that is being put in the field. It's very easy to get that imposter syndrome, to get the feeling of I'm behind the curve. And it's easy to question whether I'm even doing real data science work or not. In that context, I think it becomes even a bigger issue to think about and to question if you're doing interesting work and if your work is actually data science interesting or not. Yeah. In our experience of leading our teams, one of the most important thing we found that help us to find interesting work for our team member on a consistent long-term base is this principle we call win-win. For whatever work we are taking on in the team, we try to make sure that A is a win for the team members. So they learn something interesting, learn something useful, they develop their competency as a data scientist. And at the same time, we make sure that it's a win for the business. So the work we do is valuable for the business. The work we do has real life impact. We found that actually for almost all the requests we receive from the business, different kind of teams, we almost always were able to find a win-win setup to work on that. Yeah, finding those win-wins is a very helpful attitude to also guaranteeing that interesting work will happen. But there are also issues there that make this problem of finding win-win situations specifically difficult. And I think the main one there is that what you call interesting can be very subjective. For instance, if I haven't tried out a new technique, maybe at that point it sounds very interesting. Or maybe if there's a lot of hype around something or I just read a bunch of articles and conference talks about a specific technique, a specific application of a technique, this might look very interesting. But after you've done it for 20 times, maybe then it stops looking very interesting. Because of this, it becomes a very personal and somehow customized issue to begin with in defining what is an interesting topic. And I think that aspect of it already makes it kind of a more difficult challenge than you typically have with finding win-win situations. Yeah, I think practically speaking also, the implication is that you cannot treat everybody in your team the same when you are thinking about what is interesting work or not, right? We had many situations that we need to deliver certain work and it's relatively easy to find a good fit for certain team members. They see, wow, okay, we can do visualization here and this type of visualization I have never done before and this can be very interesting work for us. While somebody, although the project is more close to natural language processing and we have somebody who's very good at that, but that person say, well, I have done a lot of natural language processing recently. I'd rather not do another one for the next few months. That is why it's very important to also have that flexibility built into your way of working or the way you distribute work in the team to accommodate for these situations. And whenever we manage to do that, to find this kind of win-win matches, we see team members' motivation going up and the work is usually done with very high quality. Exactly because of what you mentioned, I think it's also important that there is collaboration between the team members and team leads and also proactivity from the team member side or maybe at least the way of thinking about approaching the problem of am I doing interesting work or not from the team members themselves. This is an issue which seems a lot like your experience in growing up and after a while, especially when you become a parent yourself, getting a lot more empathy and understanding of the efforts that your own parents were putting in raising you and understanding more and more their point of views. When I was a data scientist and 
I wasn't leading teams. I was a lot on the complaining side of this work is not interesting, questioning whether we can develop ourselves. And then, of course, you get a very different point of view. Once you become a team lead and you have to make sure your team delivers on promises and your commitments, that's the point where you can also see the downside of looking too much for doing interesting work and also the challenges of managing a team which likes to be intellectually challenged and which prefers to do interesting work. A very useful attitude is a kind of collaboration and proactivity from the team members where they go towards justifying doing interesting work and basically in the end finding and reasoning about the value of doing interesting work. Sometimes it's easier to measure the value in business terms. For instance, by using a more advanced technique, you can improve the performance of a solution, for instance, a machine learning solution. And this has immediate business impact as well. In these situations, I think it's very helpful if you can actually measure that value. Previously, we talked about baseline thinking. One of the main use cases of baseline thinking is to establish simple baselines and then to measure the added value of bringing more complexity or bringing more cutting edge techniques compared to the performance of a simpler baseline. And this way of thinking could always remove a lot of doubt and uncertainty and even simplify discussions for going towards doing more interesting things if the more interesting work is more complex or is more cutting edge and requires some kind of investment. For instance, if you have already proof from the sources that introduce different techniques about the amount of improvement that they can bring. If you know that using this method improves your precision by 5% and you can make an estimation of how much business value 5% higher precision can bring in, you already have a nice basis for starting a conversation about doing the work that sounds more interesting. On the other hand, sometimes it's not as easy to justify the value of something directly on the problem you're working on. For instance, you might have heard about a technique. It might be that you don't have even a very direct use case for it, or it's harder to estimate what are the benefits, but there's potential in adding this kind of knowledge to your team, and it helps your team to maybe even connect the dots later and make connections that lets you solve some problems better in the future, or just bring up the level of general knowledge in your team and make them better informed problem solvers in the future. And this second case is definitely more tricky to handle. Even in that case, it's still worthwhile to really do your best and try to come up with an estimation of what is the business value, some statement of, okay, what is the value of this work? Now, I know based on some of our previous experience that A, this is not easy, and B, if you are a data scientist yourself or engineer, you might think that, well, all this is just extra work. This is just the business stuff. It's not pure. It's not technical. And this can be seen also as a constraint for you. I cannot be as free as I want to explore all the beauty of this new technique or this new technology. But I would like to argue that it's very important. It's essential for you to still do this. Why? Because if you don't do that, over the long term, you are not delivering value for the business and why would business pay your salary, keep you on the payroll to continue doing this? I think the same way that if the company you are working in stop paying you tomorrow, you will not come back to work. The same way you should think about that 
if you stop delivering value for your company for a long period of time or deliver very little value, then how can you expect the company still pays you? This goes back to our conversation about the win-win, and that's why personally I think finding the win for a team member is as important as finding the win for the business. But actually, a lot of times they are not in conflicts. Actually, if you look beyond three to six months, they are the same thing. Like it's become a tradition, and we end up always recommending it in this podcast. I think this is one of the topics which can really benefit from open conversation and an established framework in your team to put forward. This is my proposal for moving forward. It requires us to spend time for learning, extra time for implementation, or some resources. And this is the value that we expect to gain from it. Of course, it's awesome if you can put that value already in direct business terms because it just makes the conversation much easier. But you can also put the value in other terms, in terms of the range of problems that we might be able to solve, in terms of the time that the team might be able to save, even in terms of pure technical KPIs that you think can be improved by introducing a new solution. And ideally, your enjoyment of doing some work can also be one of these factors. Part of a win-win situation is to also have a happy team and a team that is proud of the work that is doing. I know it's more difficult to measure, but I I hope there is room at least to make it part of a conversation directly and explicitly that learning a specific topic, employing a specific method can be valuable also for these personal reasons among the whole team. It's totally justifiable and also a right way to think about what is the new competency we are developing in the team. Right, because a lot of times, in order to do certain type of work well, in order to be able to to solve certain type of problems effectively, you need to have certain competency in the team. The thing is that a lot of people on business side also understand that investing and building new competencies in the team can be very. Valuable from a business perspective. Now the timeline is different, and also you should be able to show that this is something that is relevant to the business. And even if you cannot quantify it, you need to be able to link that to certain things business consider valuable. It could be new direction it's taking, or some new development of its customer base. Overall, I think it's also very realistic to expect. The people they are working with you on the business side to help you to find those things. If not anything else, give you feedback on, okay, whether this way of thinking or whether this direction or whether this new competency that you can potentially develop is valuable for the business or not, and in what way. Yeah, and I think it's a good exercise for data scientists to even just for practice make a business case for some interesting work that you want to do and you find it more difficult to. Put in the schedule of the team, not just because it eases conversation, but I think it's also a really good practice to connect your work to the business side, but also a practice that forces you to see potential applications of a method, potential use cases for a technique, and at least go for a first estimation of the potential value that it can bring. You might not be super happy that you have to do this, but in the end, even if you have to do it, I think it's going to be to your own benefit to look for answers to these kind of questions. Being able to Make a business case, and it doesn't need to be something super fancy, super formal. The essence of it is that okay, this is currently where we are. This is a future state that we want to get to, and 
the future state is desirable because X, Y, Z, and to close the gap, we need to do X, Y, Z. So that is the essence of a business case. It, it can be a paragraph or two, but then once you can do this, you will always be able to find interesting work in the long term. One difficult thing that can happen there is the workload of the team can get in the way. We've been also in this situation. Sometimes you're running towards tough deadlines. A kind of challenging delivery has to be made. And these are the situations where interesting work can be sacrificed more easily. I don't know what are the best solutions there. One of the approaches that I see happening in different teams and also tried out in our own team is dedicating some time beside the main workload for learning, for development, and for still having a sense of doing interesting work. But to me, this always seems like a painkiller rather than a real solution. In an ideal situation, I think we should still look out for opportunities to make the existing work more interesting, but I don't know if it's always feasible to do something like that. Yeah, I think there one of the famous example is Google at a certain point dedicate this 10% of the time, you can work on anything you want, right? There are different opinions about this. And I'm also more on the side of, I don't think that really address the issue because when you think about when things get tough and you know you really need to do something, you really need to complete something in a short period of time, even if you officially are given this 10% of the time to work on whatever you want, realistically, this will also be one of the first things to get sacrificed. The worst situation is also that when you are doing that, you keep thinking about the things that you need to get done and are urgent. So I would like to think that in the short term that can happen, so, for example, in our experience, typically once a quarter, you have some kind of crunch period, and that is normal and to be expected. But then it shouldn't really happen too often. And what is too often depends on the context and the situation and, and the team. But I would say if you really see that the team morale and the productivity and the motivation of a team are constantly going down, this is a pretty good sign that you are probably having those crunch period a little bit too much. Yeah, That is not healthy. And there, you usually cannot solve by doing things smarter or faster because very likely your team is already doing things the smartest and the fastest in those kind of situations. It's rather about asking yourself and the business the question of, okay, what are our most important priority? If we need to take on this or if we need to complete this in half of the planned time, then what else can we drop? I think that is something can really help you get out of those situations. And there a trick is that if you don't see a way to do that at a certain abstraction level, for example, if you look at the quarterly goal that you need to deliver and then you say, okay, you know, in order to deliver these quarterly goals, then we need to do all this. It seems to be there is no solution. Then look one abstraction level higher. If you look at the strategy, then you suddenly have a lot more freedom. Then suddenly you see, ah, okay, this thing does need to happen at this quarter, but that thing actually, if it doesn't happen at this quarter, it's still fine from the strategy perspective. In practice, I also think 
while you have critical things moving on, it's still possible to find some time or to allow some of your team members, probably interns, to look into a bit more risky solutions for the same problem that you're dealing with or for the problem that you know will come up in two or three months from now, even if it's not in the immediately next deadline. It is definitely a problem that you have to deal with in the future. Another thing that keeps me hopeful about being able to do interesting work is that as you get more and more experience in dealing with problems, one of the first things you learn is that things are going to get longer than you expected them to last. Problems are going to be more complicated than you first estimate them to be. And in a similar vein, I think as you get more experience and you see more problems, you also get a better view on finding problems to solve and finding directions to explore, which is not immediately there when you're starting out. A lot of times when you first estimate there is nothing interesting in this problem, that could be due to your own short-sightedness rather than the nature of problem really being uninteresting. In practice, at least in the problems that I had the chance to deal with, it's really difficult to get on top of every aspect of your problem. Whenever we were finished with projects, I think there were at least five or 10 other dimensions that could also have been explored and we didn't have the time to, or we didn't really need to explore at that time because we had to move on to other topics. So I think there's definitely something there about finding things interesting and about having the feeling of doing interesting work when you're dealing with problems. Yeah, I think this also links to the high uncertainty that typically around uh, data science, uh, machine learning, and AI projects in the sense that you don't even fully understand the problem before start working on a solution. So very common that when you start just planning the work, you probably don't see a lot of the potentially interesting stuff that can come up. I think having that faith going into a project helps you a lot. And I think even more important there is the mindset. I would like to say that as long as you keep the mindset of a problem solver, even when you go into a project, even at the beginning, you don't see immediately what are some of the interesting work for you there. As long as you have the mindset of, I'm here to solve a problem, I really want to understand the problem I'm solving and be open to explore different ways to solve it. As long as you have that mindset, you will be able to find interesting work one way or another. However, the opposite is quite devastating, which is at the planning stage, you reach the conclusion that, well, this work is not interesting. And then at that point, you just drop the problem solver hat and just say, I'm here to complete a task, right? I'm here to close some tickets. The moment you said that to yourself, you will never be able to find any interesting work in there. That is something I only observe after we have done quite some projects, and I didn't expect that. Yeah, I think the closing ticket uh, attitude towards solving problems is one that automatically makes things look less interesting, at least for me. The problem-solving attitude, on the other hand, maybe a bit of the detective attitude, I think on the contrary, is what can make a lot of things look a lot more interesting. One of the mental tricks is also systems thinking, which allows you to broaden your scope in viewing the problem and makes it definitely more likely to find more interesting challenges and more interesting impacts about the work that you're doing. Another attitude which I think is helpful there is looking at what you're doing as also practicing a skill that is useful for your job. For instance, 
no matter what problem you're solving or what technique you're using, most of the times there's a communication part. This could be communication to non-experts or this could be communication to your own colleagues. This is almost a part you cannot do without whatever project you're working on. And it's also one of the skills which is most challenging to master, especially because you're always dealing with different people and the receiver changing in your communication brings its own challenges to the problem. So one useful attitude could be to focus on these sub-problems and try to hone your skills and hopefully find it more interesting by looking at this practice as a new challenge. Not everything has to be necessarily the cutting-edge next technique that has a lot of hype. There are a lot of skills that we need to practice time and time again, and they are not really easy to master even with years of experience. I think, on contrary, the most cutting-edge thing always change and tend to have very specific applications. But then those things that requires time to master, although not most sexy, but then every improvement, every practice you do there carries over to the next project that you work on and all the projects that you will ever work on in your career. Having that mindset can really help you to think about this in a more healthy way. So I think we talk a lot about doing interesting work we hope that we have shared something to help you find more interesting work every day. So tradition of the show, given everything we discussed, what will be one advice that you will give to the audience that they can take action on tomorrow? I'd like to suggest some opposite thinking about doing interesting work. Next time you're facing a problem that initially comes up to you as not interesting, try to imagine you're writing a paper, you're making a strong argument to prove that there is actually nothing interesting about this problem. With that way of thinking, I think it's easier to get away from just a complaining mindset. And it's useful to also start a mental conversation with some imaginary opponents who you have to convince there is nothing interesting about a specific problem you're solving. In my experience doing this kind of thinking or actually doing this kind of conversation, I always ended up with having to admit there is this aspect of the problem which is actually quite interesting or at least new to me and there is something to learn in most problems that you're facing. And on my side, I would like to suggest that next time you're planning some future work with your team, try to make a business case. Practice it. Make it simple. What is the current situation? What is the future situation? Why is the future situation desirable? And to close the gap between the current and the future situation, what work needs to be done? And hopefully, by doing this exercise, you will get a better idea of how to link potentially interesting work to creating value for your business. So I think that's the end of this episode. Thank you very much for listening and see you next time. See you next time. Just one last thing before you go. If you are not a data scientist yet, but want to become one, you should really attend our webinar. We will demystify the transition into data science. We'll show you the most effective way to build your skills, and we'll advise you on the four possible options you can take to go from where you are to landing a data science job in as little as nine months. Find out more at nds.show forward slash webinar. That is nds.show forward slash webinar. All right, that's the end of this episode. Have a nice day.